Good afternoon and welcome to Free to Be Faithful. I'm moderator Kip Allen. Free to Be Faithful is a religious liberty education and awareness program that was created by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in response to increasing governmental incursion into religious life. People of faith on our institutions have come under increasing attack in recent years from secular sources. Still, as the program's title states, we are free to be faithful, and we express our faith in many ways. One of the most recent examples of this, of this expression was the response of Christians to victims of Hurricane Harvey and Irma and other disasters. The very act of showing mercy is an act of faith. Today's guests, the Reverends Ross Johnson and Mike Meyer with the LCMS Disaster Response. And we discuss how helping those in need is an expression of faith. Okay, gentlemen, here we are. Uh, we have had some in- incredible things happen this just this past month. But we've been doing it all along. Uh, everything from Katrina to earthquakes and, uh, and disasters in Haiti. And the question that is raised by a lot of people, uh, not necessarily Lutherans, is why do we do this? Who wants to explain why we are doing this, why we are showing mercy to those? The reason that we do it is because we are expressing the our Christian faith, the love of Christ that he has shown to us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. He was gracious, loving, kind, and merciful. And we express that love to other people, not just Christians, not just Lutherans, but anybody that's been affected by a disaster that needs help, love, and support. Especially in a time of tragedy, it's a natural fit for Christians to love their neighbor as themselves. Well, in fact, I remember talking to a missionary uh, in, Indi- in Indonesia some time ago, and he was there during that horrible tsunami that they had back in the early part of the century. And uh, he said afterwards, several Muslim leaders had come up to him and said, well, why are you doing this? You know, we're not Christians. Why are you helping us? And he said, well, this is what we do. We're Christians. We help. And I think that is a a way of bearing witness to God, to his mercy, by showing the non-believers what it is that we do. I think also it comes down to our theology. We have an understanding of the brokenness of sin in this world and an idea of redemption, redemption spiritually, but also Christ coming into the world to save sinners. And it is a foundation for us being loving to others. Other religions, they believe that it's karma, it's payback, or that this is a divine will and chastisement, which should not be interrupted with acts of kindness or mercy. So we have a very unique viewpoint. That's why you don't see a lot of other religions that are acting and stepping out in compassion and mercy as Christians do in a time of disaster and a time of need. And that's a very interesting point, Kip, right there at the end. Uh, uh, Of all of the disasters that we've been to over the last, well, five years, uh, the overwhelming majority of those out helping are Christian. Uh, You see very few... Muslims, you see uh, very few uh, uh, of other religions out there, but the overwhelming majority of those that are uh, bringing assistance are are Christian. And and Ross said at the beginning, it's because he first loved us that has now motivated us to share this love with others, uh, and that love uh, manifests itself in care for people in their bodies and in their souls. Well, in in fact, I read a a news report just recently that, you know, there's been uh, ongoing warfare in southern Sudan. 
And this is an overwhelmingly Muslim area. And in some of the refugee camps there that are run both by the government and by Muslim groups, uh, Christian children were told that they had to recite Muslim prayers before they were given any food. And I know of several instances where in hospitals they would only treat Muslims. They would not treat non-Muslims. But as Christians, we treat anyone. We, we will serve anyone. We will give this relief. We will share the mercy that God gave us. Not only that, we do it without any strings being attached. So if a person comes to one of our local churches after a disaster and says, I need help or assistance or prayer or whatever it is, the response that they get is not, well, we'll help you after you come to church on Sunday. The response that they get is not, well, you need to pray this prayer three times before we're going to help you. That's not what we do. We help anybody that needs help to the best of our ability. We can't do everything. But there's always something that we as Christians can do to help and show compassion. Well, something that uh, was raised actually before the program we were discussing is that our mercy is really independent of governmental aid. Now, the program talks often about the restrictions that are placed on us by government and even by, by society. But this is something where we are totally free of. Uh, we don't do this with government funding. We do it with our own. We go down there on our own to Texas. We go down there on our own to Haiti. These are things that we do. We're free to do this. And that gets at the heart of what makes us unique as the church and as the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's Disaster Response Ministry is. There's a lot of organizations that do a good job at helping out with physical needs. Uh, and we thank God that they're there and being helpful. But the church, when we respond and show mercy, it's helping hands, but also spiritual care. And mm. we usually find that when somebody has lost all their earthly goods, uh, when their whole life has been rocked to its core, they're also going through a spiritual crisis in their life. And that's where we can not only help them rebuild their lives, but we can also bring the comfort and the peace of the gospel where we can say this world isn't just about the here and now, but it's really all about Christ. And we have something better to look forward to than the things that can be broken by nature. We have eternal heaven and we have a hope that supersedes the things of this world. And our best life is not right now, but it is in the world to come. So we have a Christian message and we never want anybody to silence our Christian voice. So we're very cautious uh, when we receive grants or funds, that we do not take any government funds or corporate funds that will silence our Christian voice in any way or any capacity. We want our freedom to be able to express the love of Christ in those words. Ross, would you repeat that about we do not accept those funds? If there are strings attached or stipulations that we cannot speak our Christian voice, we do not receive government funds or corporate funds that would silence our Christian voice. And this sets us apart not only from secular organizations, but this actually sets us apart from a good number of Christian organizations that apply for government grants or work with other government funds. Uh, and uh, they do have strings attached so that they uh, aren't allowed to speak the gospel. They're not allowed to pray with people. Uh, but uh, because we have uh, kind of put our feet down, our, put a foot down that says we're we don't want our voice to be silenced in that way. Uh, so we will operate purely uh, on the, the, the direct donations that we receive from individuals across the United States. And it gives us a, an enormous amount of freedom to proclaim the gospel in the, in the midst of disaster. 
And within our fellowship of Christian churches, uh, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, over 6,000 churches, 2 million members, we have had an amazing outpouring of Christian compassion and prayers for disaster victims and volunteers, people that are going all over the country to all over the world to volunteer, to help out, to show with their actions, their love, and also being extremely generous in their donations. Because like what I said before, is we do not operate off of government funds or corporate funds. We are completely independent of that, but we've had an amazing outpouring from the members of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod that want a response that's done in the name of Christ. And there are very, very few organizations that are unapologetic that we proclaim the gospel even in the wake of disaster. Or especially in the wake of disaster. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You said, uh, for example, about offering the spiritual advice after that. I mean, this is anyone who's been through a situation like this, and many of us have, know the incredible desolation that this leaves, not just in the material world, but in the soul and in the spirit. When you're sitting there saying, oh my gosh, what do I do now? I am, nothing is there for me anymore. Well, that's the situation. When the church shows up, it's a reminder to the community that God is present. God is present, of course, even if myself or Reverend Meyer are not there. But it's a, a visible, tangible re reminder that God is with them, even in the midst of the brokenness of their life. And that was so evident when Michael and I were in Chile and we were going through the earthquake areas and people were literally camping out by the hundreds in city parks because their homes were not safe. And they said, man, we are so glad to see you pastors here. The Roman Catholic Church hasn't been around at all. We've gone to this church our whole lives and we haven't seen anybody. Hmm. But they were so comforted knowing that as we walked amongst the people, that it was a reminder that God was there. Not that Michael or I are God or anything like that, but it, it was a reminder when they saw the church present. Yes, there is a God and there's something greater than this. And God cares about us and loves us in the midst of this. And that's one of the reasons that we as the church are responding. When a disaster happens, thankfully, there's usually a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod congregation nearby, mm -hmm. somewhere in that state. And then we use that congregation as a center or a hub of outreach and mercy to the areas that are needing love, compassion, and mercy. This is something I've seen time and again with uh, disasters, especially here in the U.S., where we do have so many Lutheran um, outlets, is that uh, we're on the ground. We have the logistics centers. You know, where uh, I have heard it said, actually, but I've even, I've even read, once read a uh, publication from a FEMA official who actually used the word that the churches are the first responders in a disaster because we are there. We know the people. We contact them right away. Gee, have you just lost your house? Well, here's where you can get relief. We're all over on this. And I've seen this, especially in the, in the wake of Hurricane Harvey. I've talked to any number of churches down there where the staff and the pastor would remain at the church at the height of the storm, keeping track of their people through the internet, through the telephone, when help was needed. There was one case where they actually had, uh, in the middle of the storm, a um, an elderly woman uh, was stranded in her home and was, was being flooded out, didn't know what to do. And she texted the pastor. The pastor put a notice up on Facebook, and inside of a minute, he had over 15 people said, I can go and help. Absolutely. The church was 
at that disaster area well before the disaster happened. It's there during the disaster, and hopefully will be there for decades or centuries mm-hmm. after the disaster. Nobody knows their community better than the local church. There are people in the community. I read an article in USA Today last week, and they were saying about 80% of disaster response work is not done by the government. FEMA, thank God they're there, and they've been very well organized with Harvey and Irma. There's always room for improvement, of course, but 80% or so of the response is not done by the federal government. They have a blanketed approach um, because they're so large, Mm -hmm. and that's how they have to operate. But the church can work through the nooks and the crannies that FEMA and all the other large organizations neglect. A lot of times, these other organizations, they come in, they do a big response for the first few weeks, maybe a couple months, and then they're gone but the church remains. And a lot of times we do a long-term response. One, two, or three years later, we're still re- responding through our local congregations. And the church is doing its thing of, of, of reaching out and finding those whom everybody else has not seen. Uh, so those that get, a, 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 that get help immediately in that, in that first little wave. But then there's uh, oftentimes a good 30 to 40% of the population that uh, that either didn't fill out the you know paperwork correctly, mm-hmm. didn't know what to do, didn't know how to do it. So they're uh, not just behind the curve, but uh, uh, the resources simply are not there anymore. Uh, and yet the church is there to reach out to them, provide love and mercy for them, uh, and lift them up in their time of need. Well, for example, the LCMS is still working in the New Orleans area from Hurricane Katrina, which happened 12 years ago. Um, I spoke uh, just a week ago to the head of the Southern District, and he said that we're looking at years, years of recovery work down there. And the church will be there and will be involved. We're not just talking three or four months or even one or two years. We're going to be there. We're there now. We were there in the past and we're going to be there in the future as long as we're needed. That's also going to happen in Texas with Hurricane Harvey. The the amount of devastation is astronomical and overwhelming. Mm. And what we see as a group of amazing churches coming together responding not taking any government funds that are going to silence our christian voice we are starting hubs of mercy and outreach across the state where we're pulling together the resources of congregations we're helping those in need the vast majority of these people are not churched or they're not lutherans at all but it doesn't matter we're showing the love of christ and we have no expectations of anything in return we are uh very proactive, though, in expressing our Christian love, praying with people. When there's an opportunity and opening, we want to proclaim our faith and the reason for what we do. And it's amazing when you're helping someone in need, that person might have never gone to a church or they might have had misconceptions about what Christians are all about. But when you're in the middle of a crisis in their life and you're mucking out their house or rebuilding a home, it's amazing how receptive they are and, and genuinely wanting to know why are you Christians doing this? Because a lot of times they've never gone to a church and all that they know is what Hollywood says about Christians. And we all know that's completely false, the vast majority of that. And so it has amazing openings and it opens doors to the gospel and breaks down barriers that a lot of times people have to what Christians are all about. And in the midst of a disaster and while showing mercy, 
the world gets to see us at our best. Well, uh, actually, I know of at least one case where uh, a person down in Texas had actually said, oh, I never knew this about you all. I want to be baptized. And the pastor said, great, let's sit down and talk and let me, <laughs> let's go over the catechism and I'll tell you what it is that we believe before going ahead and doing that. Uh, also, something I want to bring up, uh, especially to our non-Lutheran listeners, when we talk about this kind of mercy and what we do, this is not how we justify. We are not doing this to affect our, our status in heaven. That was already done for us by Jesus. We do this simply because it's what we do as Christians. We will not get any reward for it. Absolutely. And and I'm glad that you bring up the point because we are very clear with our members and in our training events that what saves us is the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, period. Now, when we're showing acts of mercy, it isn't to be saved and it's not the gospel message, but rather it's our Christian testimony. It's just being a reflection of Christ and living out the Christian faith. And so we're not doing this to be saved. Uh, it's not a form of the social gospel or liberation theology. There's a lot of skewed views yes. about what mercy work is and the role in the Christian faith. But we're very clear that this is simply an expression of our love towards our neighbor. It's not to be saved. We're already saved because of what Jesus has done for us. Yeah, Mike, it's not like uh, there's a score a scoreboard or, or, or a sheet there, a balance sheet on what we did and what we didn't do. This price has already been paid. We're, yeah. si we're simply doing what's expected of us and what we expect of ourselves. So, so in other words, uh, uh, a good tree bears good fruit, right? The mm -hmm. faithful uh, lead faithful lives loving their neighbors. Uh, it's not what makes us faithful but it's simply an outgrowth of who we are in Christ and having that identity in him. Well, one thing, Mike, that you raised, uh, excuse me, Ross, that you had raised uh, about the, the fact that we will not accept funds with strings attached. This gives us an openness and that a lot of other uh, organizations don't have, a transparency. We know where the money goes and we can account for it all. And uh, I'll point, virtually none of this goes to administrative care. It's amazing that uh, most people assume because of the huge network of response that we do nationally and internationally that there's just dozens of people that are working at the International Center coordinating the disaster response work. <laughs> and quite honestly, you are looking at the two full-time staff people of LCMS Disaster Response because we utilize our networks of congregations mm -hmm. and we have volunteers that do essentially everything that we're doing. Uh, there is an extremely low cost to what we're doing. Uh, it is the most streamlined way that I could possibly ever imagine of doing any kind of response work. It really was. And I remember uh, I was here when the uh, the trucks came in and people were putting in the supplies that were that were going to be driven down to uh, Texas. And I mean, these were all volunteer workers. Nobody's getting paid for this. When Michael said that a good tree bears good fruit, one thing that I've come across is it is so easy to talk to Lutherans about mercy work. It's not like Michael and I have to go and hard sell this to congregations and manipulate them. Uh, we have, if anything, we have almost a little bit too many people saying, what can we do? How can we help? And we want to send this and that. And sometimes we're like, slow down. We need to organize this. Yeah. And it's an outpouring of love because, as Michael said, 
a good tree bears good fruit. And we see the gospel come alive in our members and in the lives of Christians across the United States when there's a need for them to be loving, kind, and merciful and generous. And one of those fruits of the Spirit is, is patience. Uh, and so we, we need it here with Ross and I. We, we, we ask it of those whom uh, are interested in helping to let everything kind of get organized, as Ross was saying, get the ducks in a row so that we can provide the mechanism in place and put that into place so that uh, all of these thousands and thousands of, uh, of hours of volunteer effort that we're expecting over the coming months uh, to take mm-hmm. place in Houston and Florida, that they'll actually be able to take place. Uh, they'll be received and they'll be, uh, they'll be used in a wise manner because they won't have a lot of downtime once they get there then. Well, I was at a meeting this morning, and uh, one of the things that was discussed was that the uh, the uh, Texas area is concerned now that they are out of the news cycle, and people are starting to think, well, gee, okay, that's over. They don't need any more help. Wrong. I mean, the houses are still destroyed. They need to be rebuilt. People need to find places to live. They need jobs. They still need construction materials, and they need volunteers. Absolutely. And not only is Texas, I think, feeling forgotten, but areas of Texas that have been overshadowed by Houston. There's a lot of because of the amount of population and uh, flood and standing water makes Mm -hmm. for such an amazing photograph. A lot of the photographs were of Houston area. But there is an amazing amount of damage that happened all over Rockport, Beaumont. Literally thousands of communities were affected by this. Oh, yeah. Beaumont was almost destroyed. They had to shut down the hospital. Absolutely. So we had our one of our coordinators was in Beaumont yesterday helping to make an assessment, develop an action plan and be strategic in how we respond. One thing that we always do is we don't just go down there and do stuff, but we do it after an assessment with Mm. a strategy in place. And that's one of the things that we've learned as LCMS disaster response from many disasters for almost a couple of decades now is what is the best use of our resources, our time, our talents, and our people? And how can we give the most efficient response helping people with their human needs, but also with their spiritual needs. And this is one of the reasons why you go down as an assessment team. Uh, President Harrison has said repeatedly that local problems have local solutions. So it's not like you and Michael are going to go down there and say, okay, guys, here's how we're going to do it. You go down there to talk to the congregations and say, what is it that you need and how can we help bring in the supplies and coordinate the efforts? You know, once they come in, the supplies have got to be distributed. Absolutely. It's it's an enormous logistics problem. And what we do with part of the assessment is we listen and we help them come up with what are the best practices that can be done. There's no cookie cutter. Every disaster is different. Mm -hmm. Every congregation is different. Their capacity to respond is different. And how a response is different looks is different in every single situation. Well, also, uh, there is a learning uh, uh, process. And this is something I've, I've... learn from talking to people in in the disaster areas who have been involved in others, Katrina and other things, is that each time they go through a disaster, they learn something that can be applied to the next upcoming disaster. Uh, A camp, um, oh, what is it down in? Camp Restore? Yes, Camp Restore. That was a classic example of it, where they went down and really there were things that weren't done properly. All the best, uh, you know, hope in the world and all the best uh, heart in the world, but things just simply weren't coordinated properly. Hence, Camp Restore was formed. And this is something where the people, where we train people, 
where we know how the things are going to be working, where we apply the lessons to the past to the future. Uh, one of the things, for example, is that we have uh, a number of congregations around the world, around the nation, have actually set up supplies and like trailers that can be moved to a disaster area. And that, you know, that's one of the things that came out of it, is that we actually have these some supplies ready immediately. Uh, you know, we the hurricane in Texas hit in, what was it, Friday night and Saturday? We had a caravan going down, I think it was either Sunday night or Monday morning. Very soon after. Yeah. And what you're describing is an entire network of Lutherans that are responding in a time of disaster. It's not just Michael and me out of the office here, but there are multiple recognized service organizations, Lutheran service organizations and congregations that yeah. all come together as a network. We all have the same views, the same faith. We all have the same goals and everybody has their niche. Some of the organizations are really good at mucking out flooded homes. Some organizations are really good at doing chainsaw work. Yeah. Some organizations are really good at doing children's ministry after a time of a disaster. So there's an enormous network of LCMS Lutherans ready to respond after a time of disaster. And that makes us very powerful in the amount of response that we're able to do. And it's, and it's good to be able to coordinate this from the national office because it, we're able to take the lessons learned, uh, the things that need to be set aside or the things that need to be picked up from one district to another, from one disaster to another, that if it were localized in the districts, it wouldn't be possible to do that. Uh, but because we uh, we help coordinate for all 35 districts, we're able to take the expertise from across the United States and bring it to bear to particular situations. And the point is that we coordinate. We do not dictate. Absolutely. One thing that we do from the Synod office is we're able to develop, and we have the time and the resources, to be able to do training manuals, training courses that mm. are done across the Missouri Synod. So far, we've trained over 15,000 Lutherans to be ready to respond in a time of disaster, knowing what to do, what not to do, but why do we do it as Lutherans? And how do we work in, as a coordinated effort? It's called Lutheran, Lutheran Early Response Teams. And the training events are a one-day event that we do at churches on a Saturday. And like I said, we have over 15,000. We're able to offer materials, resources, prayer guides, devotional guides to people that are going through times of tragedy and trauma in their life. And then we are distributing all those materials and resources to people that want to respond and people who have been victimized by disasters. Well, one lesson that I've learned um Kind of as a, as an aside to this, uh, you know, I've, I've been in the radio business all my career, uh, most of it in secular media. Now, suddenly, I find myself a few years ago joining the KFUO team, and it is so different in that everybody on the staff here, we're all Lutheran. We all have the same vision. We all have there's a, a, a simpatico that you don't find anywhere else. And I think this applies as well to what you were talking about. You know, when we work with these uh, these other communities and these other people, we all have that one link. Uh, I uh, was talking to a church in Houston uh, not too long ago, and it turned out the guy I was talking to was a fellow I used to work with forty years ago, and <laughs> and it was like uh, like we just picked it up. You know, it just been yesterday. We're both Lutheran. We both knew what we're doing. We both know why we're doing it. And it was an amazing sense of fellowship. Absolutely. And being in Houston, being in Florida, it's been so refreshing talking to pastors 
that as they're articulating mercy, it's exactly what President Harrison has been saying for almost 20 years. That's one of those areas that we as Lutherans have such a solid understanding on, that we proclaim the gospel in the midst of a disaster, but it's a message that goes out from the church. It's the work that's being done in the name of Christ, and Mm. we're unashamed at having a Lutheran response in the community and letting the community around us know Lutherans care. And that we will pray. And that's something I think people are sometimes reluctant in this day and age to say, gee, I want to pray, or will you pray with me? Mm -hmm. And that's something I've run into uh, numerous times. We pray with people that have been victimized by disaster, but we also say prayers for people that have gone through a disaster. On our Facebook Mm -hmm. site, which is LCMS Disaster Response, whenever there's a tragedy, we always try to put up a prayer that we as the church, the body of Christ, can be praying for, whether it's a hurricane that's in the Gulf, or if it's a fire, or whatever the disaster is, so that the church can be a church in prayer. Oh, yes. Uh, In fact, I was just checking out today for the the LCMS uh, for the Caribbean area. And they did exactly that same thing. They they put up a, a prayer for both for Puerto Rico and for Mexico. And, of course, President Harrison had a big prayer that was put up on our site over uh, Harvey and Irma. And the best way to track that is if by going on Facebook, LCMS Disaster Response, LCMS Disaster Response. And if you like that and you follow us, you'll be getting those kind of updates and prayers. And not only that, it's places where you can still contribute. It, it, your contributions are still needed. Money is needed, volunteers are needed, supplies are needed. Good place to do it is to check it out there. Ross and Mike, we're running out of time, unfortunately, but but this has been such an informative program. I really want to thank both of you for being on here and explaining. We're free to do this. God expects it of us. It's what we expect of ourselves. So God bless us all. You've been listening to Free to be Faithful, produced by Worldwide KFUO the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for listening and supporting Free to be Faithful on Worldwide KFUO.